Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we're going to talk about three different Cinderella movies, the 1950 Disney, the 1997 Disney starring Brandy, and the 2015 Disney starring Lily James. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a six-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of a 19-year-old young lady, a nine-year-old boy, and a three-year-old boy, and it's cold in my basement, (laughs) y'all. Meanwhile, I'm trapped in my closet. Our Kelly's right over there. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And it, like, progressively gets too hot throughout the course of when we record. Like, Briar can tell you, I usually end up, like, removing a layer while while I'm sitting here because it, like, ends up being, like, a little too toasty. This this is why you will never see us record live (laughs) because... I'm freezing in my basement. Sarah's doing a strip tease in the closet with R. Kelly. It's no, all no, 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 right. no. Let's talk about other female. Let's talk about instead. Cinderella. Like I said, <clears throat> so we're gonna talk about all three. So I just I have to get this out of the way to begin with. Okay, the 1950 version of this story. Cinderella is hardly even in it. No. As I was watching it, I was like, there's that whole scene in the beginning where the mice and Lucifer are, like, causing havoc in the house. I'm like, I look down. I was doing some other stuff. I'm, like, not paying attention. I look up. This scene is still going on. (laughs) So I'm finally like, you know what? I'm going to go back, and I'm going to count. Like, I'm going to start a timer for every time I see her on the screen. So, I mean, totally unscientific. I fast forward on the slowest fast forward on Disney Plus. And I would fast forward until I saw Cinderella in the screen. Like, until she was in the frame, I would fast forward. Using that unscientific method, I only got through the beginning of the film. Um, In the first 42 minutes of this one hour and 16 minute movie, Cinderella is gone for 27 of the minutes. (laughs) For 27 of the first 42 minutes. So basically what that does is that puts you right around the time when she is crying at the fountain. So, so basically, this is Tom and Jerry That's dressed exactly in a Cinderella what it is. dress. Yes, it's exactly, it's Tom and Jerry. That's the exact same explanation I made. It's a Tom and Jerry episode. With the backs, like, and in the background is the Cinderella story. Which, let's be clear here. The 1950 version of the Cinderella story is a bad telling. Like, it's not, whew, okay. So, why don't we start with the movie introductions, and then I'll get into the history, and then we can do each movie down the line. Okay, well, 1950 Cinderella opens with that storybook, like, very typical of what Disney did for their fairy tales in this era. Um, I love that opening. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite like, I, I, I love it. I like the tone it sets. I like everything about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what I okay. got for you. So then is we have 97. Is 1950 narrated by the fairy godmother or no? Um, oh, shit. I don't think it's narrated it's at all. It's not. Okay. It's not narrated at all. Okay. Um, The other notable thing I have about the 1950 Cinderella is that Mary Blair was, like, a a significant part of, like, the artistry in it. And I'm a big fan of Mary Blair. That's all I really have for you. (laughs) Okay. Who is Mary Blair? She's a very famous Disney artist, uh, mostly responsible for the art styling of It's a Small World. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. So she's got that very iconic style of, like, very, um, well, at least with the way she did It's a Small World, it's very, um, like, blocky and, like, primary colors. Well, not really primary colors, more washed out colors. But anyways, if you've seen It's a Small World and you can picture It's a Small World, that's her art style. I like it. And I also love that you geek out on Disney history so that I can just bitch about it while you give us the facts. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, I, I feel bad because, like, I didn't give 1950 Cinderella much of a chance. But it totally lost me when she just wasn't in the movie for that long. You know, like, I just, like, I lost the ability to be engrossed in it. So I'll be really honest, I literally did not allow my daughter to watch Mm -hmm. this movie. Okay. And this was a conscious, measured decision. She is autistic. Mm -hmm. She loves story. And the princesses should be a no-brainer. But this one is deeply, deeply troublesome in the way that it relies on other people to save you. Okay. And I could not teach her that message or it would have been embedded. And I think that we've talked before about how these movies were for a different time mm-hmm. and that's fine but it's this story is not one i was okay with telling a young impressionable child to be okay. very honest it's just it's too and man that seems so weird to me cuz i don't censor my kids from much of right. anything there is Rage Against the Machine on my nine-year-old son's playlist with all the curse words. Mm-hmm. But this movie is not for for my impressionable autistic daughter was not a message I wanted her to learn or internalize in any way. I think that's understandable. Um, it's not... A kids don't... and. I think we've talked about this before. Like, as adults, we can sit back and watch this movie and be excited about the um, fact that Mary Blair had a hand in it. Or, you know, like, we can appreciate it that way. But kids don't do that. They are only going to pick up the lessons from it. You know, it's not... not, And obviously, it's probably going to be subconsciously they're picking up those messages. But I think it's perfectly fine not to let your kids watch a movie like this. doesn't even like phase me if somebody said that they don't let their kids watch old Disney movies. I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. Go for it. <laughs> you do because you. Because there's plenty to object to. Right. And and it's and it's fairy tale. So, we have those to go through. All right. Let's do the 97 opening. Well, first I just want to uh, make a notable Oh, we're doing <laughs> opens only. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I don't remember what happens in the 1997 movie. Also, I fell asleep while watching the 1997 movie. So this was a wonderful world of Disney production. So it was a Disney TV production back when they were trying to reboot that... The wonderful world of Disney. The wonderful world of Disney. And, And you mentioned, and I agree, this was a musical stage Disney movie. Yes, absolutely. It's a musical. It's a musical. It's a musical. But the intro itself was the Wonderful World of Disney intro. So there is not much to say about it as being remarkable. So if you're not familiar with the Wonderful World of Disney, um, who are you? But also... (laughs) (laughs) Probably not of our generation or listening to this podcast would be my honest guess, but... In, like, the 50s and 60s, it was, like, a weekly show hosted, essentially, by Walt Disney, and they would play, like, the Disney movies and things in it. And I believe that it was even used for, like, Walt Disney to talk about the um, construction of Disney World... Yes. Or possibly Disneyland. I always get confused because I think it might have been Disney World because it was a little later on. But anyways. 
Um, so then in like the 90s, Disney tried to bring that back because Disney actually owns ABC. Um, if you didn't know, now you know. If you didn't know, like, really? Um, but, so I think they did it on like Sunday nights. Yes, it was supposed to be this big Sunday night event. Family thing. Family yes. thing. I was dragged along, <laughs> kicking and screaming for the most part. So I, like, I'm I'm aware of this 1997 movie. I probably watched it, but, like, I was 16 or 17 in 1990. Oh, no, I would have been 15 in 1997. So I was, like, firmly in that I want nothing to do with family entertainment stage. So, like... I have no lasting impression of this movie, whereas a lot of people have, like, very, like, they're very connected to this movie. So when <laughs> I said, so I'll, I'll announce them on Facebook sometimes when I'm watching them, and these all got a Cindy one of three, Cin this was mm -hmm. Cindy two of three, and this one was by far the most popular mm -hmm. of my Facebook notes. Like, yeah. I love this one, and it got all the memes. So, so like, Brandy was on The View in early February, and uh -huh. she announced at that point that this movie would be added to Disney+, Plus, and people lost their minds. So, I guess to some people, this movie has, like, the attachment that, like, or the way I think about a movie like The Goonies. I guess is the best way to explain it. They're very attached to this movie. So let's be honest. I think at least part of that has to be due to the representation. Yes, it was incredibly important at that point. Like I, Brandy was the first black princess. Yes, black princess for Disney. I and maybe even the first like had Mulan come out or Pocahontas. Yeah, Pocahontas would have been out by then. Pocahontas had come out. I, Mulan was out too. Uh, Princess and the Frog though was, no, was not. not out yet. So this would no have... Mulan wasn't out either. That was 1998. So the only oh, wow the so... only other person of color that Disney had represented as a princess was Pocahontas at this point. Regardless of whether or not we like the movie and what it says, the fact that this is only the second time Disney had a person of color as a princess was groundbreaking. Significant. Yeah. Yes. And. I suspect then that is why it yeah, is I'm sure. such a part Which of is the cultural Which is totally epoch. understandable yeah. because you always, you know, representation matters. You want to see yourself in the media that you're consuming. You know, and this movie does something in terms of representation that was kind of unique at the time and honestly didn't continue, which I must confess makes me a little sad. There is absolutely no thought given to the racial identity of the actors. Right. I mean, this, I would say, is true colorblind casting, regardless of the fact that and, you're, and maybe you're doing the bunny rabbit ears because yeah. it's because because I because we like don't want to. It's not like something you can actually say, because I think there's always that thought into it. You can't like go in and like close your eyes and just cast blindly. They're not going to do that. Right. <laughs> um, and they're also not going to put, like, a disproportionate amount of any significant person, you know, race, into this movie. You know, they're actively, in a movie like this, trying to get an even amount of white people, black people, Asian people, purple people, green people, blue So, people. right. Diversity <laughs> casting, representation casting, it, it, it matters. And when it's done deliberately like this, man, it, it, it's really a beautiful thing mm -hmm. to witness. Yeah. Like, you have the white stepmother with a one white daughter, one black daughter, yeah. the black stepdaughter, yeah. the black fairy godmother. There was such beautiful diversity of mm -hmm. casting, and it was very deliberately done. And that's the thing. You have to do that on fucking purpose. Right. That doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which is fine. I think they did a great job casting mm -hmm. this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I meant to look up whatever happened to the prince in real life. 
Uh, not much. I, I did that. because his last name is Montalban, and I wanted to see if he was related to Ricardo Montalban. He is not. He's really? just no yeah. Filipino. But not much happened to him after this film. Yeah. So I also looked up Brandy because I was like, oh, I wonder what Brandy looks like these days. She the looks same exactly goddamn thing. The same. She did a thing on her TikTok, like a video on her TikTok, where she dressed up in the costume, and she literally looks the exact same. The exact same. <laughs> she looks amazing. She does. So yeah, um, I love that Whitney Houston is the fairy godmother in this. I think that's like the most perfect of perfect castings for a movie like this. Like, it's just... And Whoopi is my queen. <laughs> she just... She... Okay, so she insisted on wearing real jewels as the queen, which, I mean, if somebody was going to cast Fine. me as a queen and I had, like, the pull that Whoopi Goldberg had, I'd be like, how I'm many, wearing real jewels. How much opportunity do you have to say such things? So not everything, much. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> Everything was on loan from Harry Winston. Harry Winston, right? God, Harry I Winston. love that. Yeah. yeah. So they were, you know, um, they were secure, you know, security on staff, whatever, because like Whippy Goldberg insisted on wearing real jewels. That's so fucking <laughs> fabulous. I love her. All right. So let's <clears throat> 2015 intro, because this is probably my favorite of the new introduction. Okay, of the I don't CGI. remember. You need oh, to tell me. <laughs> okay, so this is, well, it's Cinderella's castle, yes. obviously. And then the light changes, and they mm. have the bluebirds. Oh, right. So the Disney castle in the beginning intro for their CGI, like their recent stuff, is mm -hmm. kind of like it's neither castle. I know. Okay, I just need to clarify that. I know, but it's... <laughs> so, I... yes, Cinderella's castle. Yes. Don't call it Cinderella Castle. Call it Cinderella's Castle. That's apparently a big issue in the Disney subreddit. <laughs> I, I've said Cinderella's Castle yeah, yeah, I know. because I know, like or Reddit culture. Yeah. Reddit culture is a culture unto itself, though, is it not? <laughs> so anyway, yes, yeah, Cinderella's Castle. Um, so with the bluebirds instead of Tinkerbell. Yeah. With... Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's cool. So, and then, I don't know. I, I, I Of them all, 2015 is probably reluctantly my favorite. Of because the oh, yeah. Of, of, of the three Cinderella's, because there is some semblance of a story here. Mm -hmm. And while it's not my favorite, I can at least get behind it. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Also, all of these dresses. Man. Oh, my God. The dresses in that movie are just amazing. <sighs> so I'm not going to lie. Cindy's dress, wedding dress, no, no, her wedding dress is actually very much what I have patterned my, someday, mm -hmm. whenever I get to have my <laughs> vow renewal, yeah. so the lace that I have is the pop-up 3D flowers, uh -huh. and it was very much with this dress in mind. Right. Because this dress is just fucking gorgeous. Oh. I love it. Both I, of them, though. Like, and the blue the ball blue gown. Slash, the blue dress just swishes so nicely. It's like I everybody want you know, we've all wanted to wear a big dress and swish around in it, right? Now, I will say, I guarantee <laughs> you that thing weighs a goddamn oh, I'm ton. Sure I'm sure. Because okay. there are so many layers of crinoline there. It's got to be heavy. So I was curious where this fell in to the um, most recent, um, what's the word I want? The most recent batch of the Disney live action films. Mm -hmm. um, so this is 2015. It's Alice it's in Wonderland was 2010. Maleficent okay. was 2014. The Jungle Book was 2016. Of these live action remakes, this one is my favorite. I have the least amount of beef with it, and I actually enjoy watching it. 
I like ish Maleficent, but I think that largely has to do with Angie for me more than anything mm-hmm. else. And and I think for me Maleficent just feels because it's not necessarily a Sleeping Beauty remake. Right. It doesn't it, feel like it falls in the same group. No, it doesn't. Of the what I consider the live action remakes, yeah, this one is probably the best. I, Jungle, it's my favorite. <laughs> Jungle Book was terrible. I haven't actually seen Jungle Book. Jungle Book was terrible. I don't like the ultra-saturated situation that they've been doing with, like, Alice in Wonderland. I, I can't stand it. They also do the same thing with the um, Nutcracker one. I don't know if that's Disney. The huh. Nutcracker. You know, like, in the Seven Kingdoms or whatever. Right. Um, I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite of the current crop of live-action remakes. And I think it's because they did, they actually invested some effort into Mm -hmm. the story in ways that they really didn't for the others. Like, God, the Lion King was, fuck, I kept referring to the new Lion King as live action because that's how they animated it. Mm -hmm. And, but the story is identical. Except for worse. Like... But this one, yeah, they put some they put some effort, they put some time into giving us a story we right. could hang a hat on. They made and- enough changes, but also kept it true in certain ways to the original story. Um, like the mice are there, but she doesn't talk to them, talk uh-huh. to them like they don't understand each other. And I'm okay with that. Like who doesn't talk to their cat, especially if I was living in an attic by myself? Yeah, I mean, they weren't magical in the same sense that they were. And, again, this is a big beef for me with the 1950 version. Cinderella has, honestly, no autonomy or agency Mm -hmm. of any kind. She is a thing that things are done to her. She's not. She's like, like, we talked about it with Sleeping Beauty, too. Uh Uh-huh. They're not important to the story. No. It's everything that's happening around them that is mm -hmm. the story. So So do you feel like the nineteen or the twenty fifteen version is better at it? Yeah, I I, I do feel like Ella has some agency. Not a Mm -hmm. lot. But there is at least in her relationship with the prince. There mm-hmm. is a relationship with the prince, mm-hmm. which we're still very love at first sighty. Here, yeah, right. But less so on the physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So much of the 1950s version is making yeah. v- about C- Cinderella's appearance. It's not just the dress. It's the way she looks. Mm-hmm. It's all of those things. And they talk about her as if she were an object. There is less of that, I think, with the 2015 yep. version. She She's a person. She may just be a girl in the forest. Right. But, but she is at least a person. Right. I love the aspect of this movie where, like, he tells her that he's just um, an apprentice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, uh, we, you know, we didn't finish talking about dresses because in this movie, I think it's really interesting that they took Kate Blanchett's Lady Tremaine and they made her, like, 1940s, like, Joan Crawford. Right? Like her yeah. hairstyling and her dress styling. She's got like the tops of all her dresses are very 1940s. They just end up having ball gown skirts. Mm hmm. I just. But, and like if you're aware of costuming and design, that does feel kind of deliberate. Oh, I'm it? sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like it Mommy was. Mommy dearest. Yeah. Right. It was a very <laughs> deliberate styling choice. Yeah. And she carries herself. You say Mommy dearest, and that's mm-hmm. how she carries herself. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think that she, was yep. a deliberate choice. Um, 
Yeah. And, oh, and in the um, 1950 version, it's so obvious that that movie was made in 1950. Everything is styled 1950. Like, Cinderella (laughs) is, like, straight out of, like, sock hop 1950 teenage girl, right? (laughs) Like, you could almost see her wearing saddle shoes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like, her hairstyling, the dresses Uh that she wears, like, it's all... 1950s. Yep. Okay. So, very briefly, the story of Cinderella is very, very old. The earliest appearance of her I found was Rodopis. I should have asked my husband, but I (laughs) think that's correct. I think it's Rodopis from ancient Greece. And if you have a problem with the way she pronounced that, then call us and tell us because nobody ever calls us. So don't criticize unless you are willing to call us and tell us the correct way to write or to say it. There you go. You tell him. You tell him. Okay. And Yi Shang from China. Okay. So, and and in the in the elevation from poor maid to queen, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the lineage of this story. Okay. Cinderella first appeared in a classic book of fairy tales called The Pentameron in 1634. So that's Italian and that would be the first literal translation of mm-hmm. Cinderella. And then again in uh Grimm. Mhm. So she's been around for a long time and we have long romanticized this ideal of the good person getting rewarded by a fairy godmother for her goodness. What I like about 2015, honestly, is that that's almost secondary. Mm -hmm. Like, it gets her to the ball, but that's not what got her in the door, and Mm -hmm. it's not what gets her to her queenship. And I like that they made it about Ella. Mm -hmm. So, but typically that's not the genesis of this story. The genesis is... I feel like if this... So, if you had taken the story of Cinderella as told in the 2015 movie and you made it into like a young adult novel, there would have been multiple meetings between Cinderella and the prince before the ball. I have Mm -hmm. to imagine, right? Mm -hmm. And the only reason that we don't see that in this movie is for the sake of like brevity in a movie. Yeah. Right. Because we're already, 2015 was already the longest of the three Mm -hmm. by far. So then to apply that same assumption to like the 1950 movie i don't have the impression that the story that they would have told if given a longer amount of time would have been that they had a relationship before they met because it would that movie is all about the fact that he falls in love with her immediately mm-hmm. at the ball at the ball mm-hmm. love at first sight mm-hmm. and how beautiful and so i think that's she like, is that's a major difference like that's Mm -hmm. an important and major difference between Mm -hmm. the two movies and i think that they you know given what they had to work with i think the 19 or the 2015 version did a good job of like changing that Mm -hmm. hell i think rogers and hammerstein did a hell of a job giving us a musical i'm not a big huge fan of that minor key that they had going on for the first half of the movie to be honest Mm -hmm. but I'll still take that because even though it was strained, there was some effort put into, like, when reading reviews of the 97 version, they constantly referred to it as feminist. Okay. <laughs> Which I, I, I admit I take some issue with, but at least there was a bit of the, you know, you have... Mm-hmm. The, uh, I hesitate to use the word power, <laughs> but choice, possibly, ability, mm-hmm. maybe. There was a little bit more free will, mm-hmm. little. So I have not seen the Broadway version of this, but I do believe that this is 
the Broadway version, like the music, the book is the same. I think um, the book is the same. I think so too. I think the book is the same. So it's all in in Broadway talk. The book Sorry, is the, the music and the music. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think that this is how the play I think is so scripted. So, I, which is fine. I mean, it's it's a musical. So you have to give a lot of leeway to a musical. You really, really do. <laughs> Whether you like them or not, it's it's just you have to give some leeway to musicals just because they're. Not, it's not the same storytelling technique. No, and we fudge history and story mm-hmm. a lot in order to further the song, for better or for worse. I mean, hell, look at Hamilton. I love that. But it's so wrong. But it's the, the, the history of Hamilton is, I let's love... be clear, not quite there, no. y'all. My favorite historical issue with Hamilton is the line about Martha Washington naming her tomcat after him. And then Lin-Manuel <laughs> goes, it's true. It's not true. It's she not true. It's not happen. true. Like, <laughs> They, they verified that it's true, and it's, it's not true. true. But but it makes for a really good line in the song, right? It really like... does. <laughs> so I also have to note, how many times have I dinged a movie because it didn't have enough musical numbers in it? <laughs> and then I fell asleep during the first, like, the one musical we watched in the longest time, right? <laughs> You can go back for it. You can go back for it. Hey, you know, we crammed three movies in for this episode. We don't This one do was that. dense. No, yeah. <laughs> and this one felt like a lot, but I wanted to be able cuz we're not coming back for mm-hmm. any of these and I didn't want very specifically to leave out 97 yeah. because it is worthy of discussion on its own merit. I actually was trying to see if we could figure out a way to work ever after into this too. I know, I but, know, but I just can't. We didn't have time. I couldn't do four Cinderella movies. Well, and it's Oh man, it's it's not quite it is. Yeah. But it's not quite Cinderella. I know, I know. I know. But I guess where people have a nostalgia feeling for the Brandy version of Cinderella, I feel that way about Ever After. Well, I mean, it is very Which, much... And it came out in 1998. Right. But, so, having said that I was, like, an angry teenager in 1997, I was still an angry teenager in 1998. But Ever <laughs> After was more of the vein of, like, Romeo and Juliet, where it was an okay thing for a teenager to watch, whereas, like, the Disney um, movie Musical of the week was not of, was of not the cool. week? That's no, it was cool. not. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> We're just going to let you have it. It's all okay. fine. It's fine. All right. So, I just... Before I forget, really feel like I need to emphasize the fact that Cinderella in the 1950s version was drawn without toes. Okay. (laughs) At no point in time in this movie about a foot fetish (laughs) is the foot drawn with toes. Speaking of that, you know who should remake Cinderella? Okay. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, God. That would just be frightening. Frightening. He loves feet. He loves feet. Uh, No. All right. So what other specific points do we want to get across here? The voice actor for Lady Tremaine was the voice actress for Maleficent. The voice actress or actor for um, Cinderella was the voice actor for Sleeping Beauty. Aurora. Mm -hmm. Disney. You might as well just call her pants because... Yeah. Um, I, what else did I want to talk about here? These are just like things that aren't really important. But <laughs> 2015 was directed by uh, Kenneth Branagh, and I just, I just can't like Kenneth Branagh after learning that Emma Thompson was channeling her emotions about learning about her husband, Kenneth Branagh, cheating on her with Helena Bonham Carter. 
And that's what she was pulling from when she did the scene in Love Actually, where she breaks in her bedroom after getting hurt and then has to go back out and, like, get her kids off to their school play. I'm, I'm, I'm dying over here. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk about Kenneth Branagh. No. He's I, just just, kinda, he's, that's the only no. note I'm going to make about him. Right. Um, and I'm just, and as far as Helena Bottom Carter goes, I'm just tired of her. You can be tired of I'm her. Ti- I love and adore her. In the her, same way fine. that I'm tired of Johnny Depp, I'm tired of Helena Bonham Carter because I feel like they're just always playing themselves. Well, for better or for worse, we're seeing less of Johnny these days. Yeah. But, like, I just, like, and it may just be all the fault of, like, Tim Burton because, like, he puts them both in everything and just has them play the same character every time. You know, and it in Helena's case in particular, I find that to be a goddamn shame because she is actually an incredibly talented actor. She's she, really good in The Crown. She has such incredible range. I, I mean, because I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave the personal mess of most of these actors. Right. Uh, Jesus Christ, yeah, out of this so... one entirely. But but yeah, in terms of her canon ability, I do. I find her to be exceptionally talented. She just doesn't get to do. She she should have gone the Nicolas Cage route. She should have gone and done all of the movies instead of the movies where she got casted as mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the... So there's the trope of the manic pixie dream girl. Helena Bonham Carter is like the manic pixie yep. dream girl in middle yep. age. Right? Yep. Like, this is how yep. you grow up if you're the manic pixie yep. dream girl. If you're girl. the manic pixie dream girl, you grow up and you become... And, and that's probably why I like her, actually. And it, she exclusively wears, like, fluvogs, probably, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and... And long bohemian dresses. Multiple and, layers. Right. Lots of black. Yeah. Yeah. Lace. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is who we grow up into. The yeah. manic pixie dream girl grows up into Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, great. I love Lily James as Cinderella. She's got her own situation going on outside of, you know, in her real life. Um, but how much can we criticize her when we may not criticize a man in the same way? Moving on, I'm obsessed with Richard Madden, and I was really excited to watch him again in this movie. But then I realized that I don't like Richard Madden of 2015. I like Richard Madden of 2020 because he's aged very nicely. <laughs> he's got like the perfect amount of gray hair. Um, I didn't know I liked Richard Madden until I saw pictures from Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie's wedding. And uh-huh. he was there wearing a kilt. Oh, well now <laughs> I have to look this up. <laughs> And since then, I've been like, yeah, I like Richard Madden. And then he's in, that, look this up. he's in this terrible movie called Ibiza, and um, I think it's a Netflix original. But I like watching him in it. And then he's in that, <laughs> <laughs> he's in that, um, that, is it a miniseries? It was like a British production miniseries called like The Bodyguard, I think. That was very good. Anyways, I like Richard Madden, but yeah, I like I, him now I, and not 2015. I don't know. I think he was pretty nice in 2015, too. <laughs> and I have to confess that Richard Madden is not usually my type in any regard. I tend no, to go never... more for the, you know, swarthy I was lumberjack. I, I can specifically remember seeing this movie and being disappointed that if they were going to cast somebody from Game of Thrones as the prince... It was Richard Madden and not Kit Harrington. Like I was like, why wouldn't she just put Kit Harrington in it? But like now I'm like, no, I prefer Richard Madden. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, whatever. I'm old. I think he's the same age as us though. So I think he is same. the same age it's as same. us. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he's just aged well. It's yeah. great. Okay. Um, can we talk about glass slippers for a minute? Because I this like is a how whole much... fucking thing, <laughs> yeah. right? I 
do appreciate how much in the 2015 version they're always like, no, it's comfortable. It's comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not, not fucking comfortable. comfortable. No, glass fucking slipper. I'm Heather, sorry. You, like, who among us has not worn a pair of patent leather heels, right? That's right. Like, they don't move and you don't your foot, move when you walk in it your foot gets sweaty and then it goes <laughs> on the side <laughs> right right and you end up with blisters and uh, and everybody's feet get warm right so right that, that crystal slipper is hot a sweaty foggy mess hot and sweaty <laughs> i i can't i mean I, I guess at the very least crystal probably doesn't hold smell so there's that. That's a positive. <laughs> but but again, I'm with the the not moving in glass thing. I, I just in no world, not 1950 or 2015, mm-hmm. can I imagine a glass shoe being comfortable? It's magic. It's a magical glass shoe. There you go. That's the only way it works. Did because she? I'm I can't telling remember. You, did she, no she couldn't have she created the shoes with magic because they stuck around and everything else had been created out of something else and that's why it didn't stick around so the shoes stick around because they were like a creation of their own uh-huh. and everything else was transformed it was a transformation so using that logic i'm gonna say that the ball gown was as comfortable as the dress she was wearing that it got turned into like, it would be like wearing a house dress and having it turned into a ball gown, but having it feel like a house dress. Okay. Okay? I, I, I'll take that fucking ball gown, please. So Thank you. So, if she had just transformed Cinderella's normal shoes into those crystal slippers, I would have said, oh, okay, well, magic, they just feel like these old comfortable shoes while you're wearing them. But, considering that that's not what happened, those shoes weren't comfortable. I've logicked it for you. Great. In in terms of actual production value, how do you think they make the fucking shoes? I know. Both Brandy and Lily had to have... So they had to have taken a mold of some kind. And I'm sure they're not actually glass, but they have to be like custom molded plastic, right? Well, what are they? Resin? I'm, I mean, I can't imagine... The actual one is made out of Swarovski crystal, and it's just a prop. It was never worn. Okay, so then what did she wear? Um, that's what I'm wondering. It must have, they CGI'd her foot? <laughs> they couldn't have done that in 97, though. Yeah, They're, I don't. They gotta be... So now, then, I'm certain in 97 she was wearing clear plastic stripper shoes, and those are definitely not comfortable. Okay, so they said of the 2015 one that she was wearing sneakers because you never actually see her feet, like, wearing them. Okay, fair enough. Because her dress is so big. Because her dress is so big. Mm But I don't know. I can't find anything about That may well be true for Brandy, then, too, because if you, like... That dress is floor length as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like from just looking at quick stills of it, it looks like the only time her foot is actually in it is when it's being created. And that's totally a CGI moment. And that's like, a CGI moment. So. Okay. Well, fine. <laughs> We've ruined the magic. But you ruined can buy. Ruined the magic since. You can buy an official. 2019. Um, an official version. I think it's Jimmy Choo. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's... Let's see. Is this official? Or is it just something he's calling? Like, his everybody calls it the Cinderella slipper. Well, much like, you know, Starry Night, there are some things you can no longer copyright, so you can call it whatever you want. Oh, right. True. Well, anyways, this Jimmy Choo version looks good. Um, it's only five, $4,500. <laughs> Only $4,500. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, like, all the all the versions that people wear look totally uncomfortable. 
Yeah, they all look uncomfortable. Well, they... unless unless you're taking like a shoe, like the Jimmy Choo is like a standard pump, just fully covered in Swarovski crystals. So I could see that might be wearable. Oh yeah, but, like, well, when they take like the plastic and they try to make that the the so no. No, 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 that's a stripper <laughs> shoe, and no. Yeah, I don't know. No. And, like, so, like, um, no, like, offense to strippers, they wear shoes I could never wear, but even <laughs> theirs isn't a full plastic I, I shoe. I have to be clear, and I'm saying this is a former stripper. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine, but no, and, and they're uncomfortable. And but they're not wearing a full shoe. No, they're it's not like wearing a, it's a full shoe. It's always a sandal, it's like a... Right. Um, uh, you know platform usually yeah with like no toes right because if you put toes on that no no there's they, no, no. Breathing. <laughs> it's it's a it's generally a strip across yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's wearable but a full-on like plastic pump <clears throat> no Mm-mm. no and to be clear my plastic shoes so it was a plastic strip across the toe but the back what was a um regular leather style yeah, yep. strappy heely type fucking thing it was god awfully uncomfortable and i i may have some bias here against those shoes maybe so like, part of my problem but god damn so like pleaser is like a pretty like the that's where you go for stripper shoes that's the brand that uh-huh. strippers buy it's pleaser uh-huh. and um they do have a full plastic clear plastic shoe it's like um a boot like a a boot shaft yeah even that doesn't have toes because you need somewhere to breathe right feet need to breathe so and i'm telling you i would not want to put my fucking ankle in that because i can see the design of it in my head because i know how pleaser makes shoes and, but the review yeah. there's only one review on those and it does say you can see all the sweat and <laughs> <laughs> humidity in the shoe so there you go <laughs> oh my god no. but at least with the toes cut out it has some place to go right yeah because yeah. if you just fully enclose your shoe in plastic you're gonna have to like dump the water out of the shoe when you're done with it Right? All right. Let's. (laughs) I mean, the, like, sweat. The sweat is going to pool in the shoe. Like, there is going to be problems. (laughs) And on that note, I think we've pretty much exhausted the glass shoe. (laughs) There, um, so, Cinderella in the parks at Disney. Um, I mean, Cinderella is there as a face character. Right. But she is not the main attraction. It's Lady Tremaine, Anastasia, and Drusilla, because they're some of those really fun interactions that you can have where, like, they really play off the people and stuff. And it's it's interesting in the Disney face character um, scene that the villains all get to have fun with the people, whereas the princesses and stuff don't really. They just give a lot more, like, leeway for... Um, I don't know, comedy, um, like interaction to princesses or to the villains. Cause like Gaston is a great one right. to interact with Lady Tremaine and the stepsisters. It's like, um, those are the, um, meet and greets that a lot of the Disney obsessed go after. I don't know. Just interesting. Well, villains always have better stories, They're don't more they? Fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I in the 2015 version, there's a part of me that has to think that Lady Tremaine was not like this until after her husband died. Yeah, she talks about how she got to marry the man of her dreams and was very happy Mm -hmm. and had these two beautiful daughters. And then her husband died. And what I like there is that they are emphasizing the really how little power women historically had at that time. She had to marry whether she wanted to or not. 
And I think that she probably attempted to make the best of her second marriage. Mm -hmm. Like, she was not overly vicious to Ella until after Mm -hmm. he died. No, didn't it start right when well, he went no, away? It's, I mean, it started fairly... It, 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 it was a slow descent, mm-hmm. right? Like... I, I just think maybe she was not always the most pleasant person, but there may have been more redeeming qualities to her. Yeah. In the I'm past. Not, <laughs> will not excuse bad behavior here <laughs> in any way. But it is a clear painting of what the lack of power Mm -hmm. and her husband died she had to remarry whether she wanted to or not it -hmm. was not really up to her and then her second husband died she was left with this fucking country house in the middle of nowhere with Mm -hmm. no money and no prospects Mm -hmm. really at that stage Right. Not after a second right. husband has um, died. And then so on that note, I really appreciate that the 2015 movie didn't sink a lot of time into the plot between the Duke and Lady Tremaine. Because like I just I'm really it glad because they care. I don't care. <laughs> and they could have. Yeah. It was a very easy spot for them to like enter the weeds. No, they did a they they did a pretty good job of attempting to stay out of them. So, the king in all of these movies is a little unhinged. Mm-hmm. At least in the third one, in the twenty fifteen, it's very clearly about the future of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which. Still not fabulous, but we're we're dealing with a different set of standards, mm-hmm. so it's kind of an excusable one. Mm-hmm. In ninety seven, it's more Whoopi that's baby crazy mm-hmm. than it is the king and Victor. I mean, it's Victor Garber. He mm-hmm. is his usual professional self in mm-hmm. whatever he does. But the 1950s king, can we just say how unhinged that fucking man is? Because, oh my god. That was such a trope of that kind Uh of character in older Disney movies. Like, think about the fathers in Sleeping Beauty. Uh Right? Very Uh similar. Um, I'm sure there's more instances of it. I just can't think. Oh, like, even, they're just kind of like, they're all the dwarves, essentially. Yeah. You know, like, the the personalities of the dwarves are how also, like, father figure kings were represented. If they weren't evil. <laughs> then they just want to be a grandpa. Yeah. Which is know. interesting, because they don't ever pay any attention to their own children. Yeah, right? But... There's a lot to be said there about that generation. <laughs> so, so much We won't get me. into it right now, though. <laughs> That's not uh, what we're here for. Finally, I will say about the 2015 version, I do have to... Like, at what point is it stalking? Yeah, right. <laughs> and this is... Let's let's send out the troops after yeah. the girl who ran away. I, like... Yeah. And this is present in all of them, right? Mm-hmm. The, the search for the perfect bride. <laughs> I like how at the end, um, he was hiding in, like, the troop. Right. <laughs> was he doing that the whole time? Was he there every time? Or was I... it just like, we've run out of times, so it's this or nothing. I better go. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but... I su- I suspect they might have built in a little bit more if because 
I looked at the deleted scenes. I didn't feel like buying them because mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend money because it was like 20 bucks for the whole... Mm-hmm. And I was not not for a movie that I am never yeah, watching again. Right. But my mother-in-law has this movie. And as I recall from watching them with her, mm-hmm. there's like almost a half an hour of oh, deleted really? scenes. Okay. So there was a whole lot more in the weeds okay. about the Duke and Lady Tremaine. Okay. And I believe that there was some suspicion about... Right, like, so the king was there because he didn't trust the duke anymore. Like, yeah. that, I feel like there's a whole lot there. Okay, all right. So, which we don't care about in terms <laughs> of the general movie. But at least, again, I appreciate Disney on this one for really trying. Because mm-hmm. they did make real genuine efforts to work in a story, which I... Um, we may be past that era of Disney now. I don't know. They seem to be killing everything, mm-hmm. like just beating it with a. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like we have talked about the live action remakes, and this is the first time we've ever spoken fondly of one. Uh, right. All right. Well, I think that's all I have. I have nothing more to talk about. Wow. <laughs> My unhinged randomness is complete. We have really managed to go all the way around <laughs> on mean, these movies. Is it even worth rating when we're talking about them this way? No. no. I mean, sure, go ahead and rate them. Like, if you have actual feelings about, go, go on down the line. Let's start with 50. I don't know. I don't know. What did we rate Sleeping Beauty? Oh, I'll give it that. <laughs> I think you gave Sleeping Beauty. I a did give Sleeping one. Beauty a higher one because it's it's nostalgic for me. It was my first favorite Disney movie. Uh huh. Alright. Let's see if I can make this work. Oh well, Sleeping Beauty got a three from you. I would give this a two. Yeah, this one gets like a minus five for me, but it's fine. No, no, no. I'll give it a half a star for the storybook opening. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I, I fell asleep during Brandy, so I don't feel like I can rate that one. It's fine. I'll give it. I'll give that one a two simply for the theatrical production of it and the... Most of the side talent was remarkably entertaining, right? Whoopi mm-hmm. was great. Jason was great. It was is it, it, it's just the story that kills me. So <laughs> it gets a two. And twenty fifteen. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna give it a four. That's very generous. Okay. I'll give it like. A three and a half? Well, uh, yeah, I'm it's, not it's, telling you to change the your The four mouth. is really just a representation of how much I want to wear that dress. And and, and trust <laughs> me, my my three and a half here is largely for the wedding dress. I, I can't even. It's like half a star and then three stars for the dress. I <laughs> Oh, I forgot. So there's, um, you can buy like a, a, a hundred dollar, um, wow, I version see. of it on Amazon that I was actually looking at before we even decided we were going to do this movie because the one day I just fell down a rabbit hole of swishy dresses on Amazon thinking to myself, Maybe I could just get one of these and wear it around the house because that's the stage of, tw- of the pandemic that I'm in now. So, I'm just so bored. I want to buy a big dress and wear it around my house. It's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's all sad, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So if you feel like you need to buy that ball gown, go out and buy the ball gown. Swish yeah. around your house if that makes you happy. That's what we're telling you. Buy the ball gown. <laughs> 
your kids too, really. I, I mean, we technically still have a section here on whether or not you should buy <laughs> or wear that costume. And we're Do telling it. you, the adult, yes. to wear that costume. So by all means, your children should wear any and all of these dresses too. <laughs> Boys, girls, doesn't matter. Put them in the big poofy blue dress. Yeah, do it. Do it. Send us pictures. We want them. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. That's all I got. All right. (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, we're at Latchkey Movies. Email us, latchkeymovies at gmail.com. Or you can call us. I'm sure in this episode we've said many, many things that are worth complaining about. <laughs> We'd love to hear what you have to say. It's 402 885 4875. And we are out again.